0: this day thank you for this time that we have in your house thank you for your word i pray that you'd give me clarity of thought that you'd help me to say exactly what needs to be said and that uh, we as listeners to your word would apply this however it needs to be applied i pray these things in jesus name amen this morning i'm going to begin with a statement that i think almost all of us would know to be true we would not argue or disagree with this And the statement is, nothing stays the same forever. We are always in a state of change, all right? That's just the way life works. Things change, nothing stays the same. That is said for this reason. I know what the education process looked like when I was a part of that involvement, whenever I was a person in school, I don't know what it looked like maybe when you were in school before me. I don't know what it looks like now for kids today, but I'm going to share an experience of myself. And then if you can relate to it, fantastic. If not, just listen and I think you'll understand it. But whenever I was in high school, teachers had this form of punishment and torture that they would inflict on the entire class with the assignment of a research paper. I don't know if any of you have ever had to do research papers, but that was a part of my educational process. I didn't like them, I didn't care for them, etc. cetera. So that being a part of my education process, here is how it would normally work. Whichever teacher decided we needed to do a research paper would give us a due date for that paper, so they might give us a four-week, you know, uh, introductory statement like, "Okay, this is going to be doing four weeks. It might be six weeks. It might be eight weeks. Whatever the teacher decided, they would tell us how long the paper needed to be, how many sources we needed to have for the paper. Everything was lined out for us." So let's imagine that the teacher gave us a heads up of six weeks. This is going to be due in six weeks. Well, for the mind of the average kid in school, their mind immediately thought this I got forever. I don't need to worry about this right now. Good grief, six weeks, that's like a lifetime. And so as a student, I would sit there. I would hear what was said. I would hear what the requirements were, what was expected of us. I understood all that. But if you think I went home that afternoon and started gathering my thoughts, you don't understand the kind of student that I was. I mean, I was more interested in basketball. I was more interested in watching TV in the evenings. I was more interested in anything than a research paper. I mean, Like, again, that's torture. That, that's just terrible. Why would some teacher expect that of us? But here's what would happen after the teacher would announce that the research paper was going to be due and here's when it's due and all this other stuff. You know, the teacher would kind of not mention it for a while because she had other things to teach or he had other things to teach. And, and then something like this would happen. The teacher would say, now, don't forget, your research paper is due in two weeks. Or don't forget, the research paper is due next Friday. And you know what that statement would do? It would wake us up as students. Someone like me, like, oh, man. Like, I knew it was due, but I kind of forgot I knew that that was something I had to be mindful of, but I I wasn't really mindful of it like I was supposed to be. Just that little statement of, don't forget, next Friday the paper is due, it would wake me up from my academic slumber, and I would say to myself, okay, it's time to get busy, because I need to do well on the project. Now, this morning, as we think on that, I want us to think about something that was true 2,000 years ago for the first century church or the first century believers. They lived, many of them did, with this thought process that the Lord was going to return before they died. They honestly thought that the rapture was going to take place or the return of Christ was going to take place, however they would have worded it in their day. They honestly believed it was something that would happen prior to their death. I think if you could have asked them at that time, why do you think the Lord will return in your lifetime? They would have said something like this. We're living in perilous times. Just look at the world we're living in. Look at the government that rules over us. Look at how wicked our land is. I mean, they were living there in Rome. Many of these Christians that we're going to be considering today, they were living in Rome, one of the most corrupt, wicked, ungodly governments that's ever been on the earth. So if you were to have asked Christians some 2,000 years ago, why do you believe the Lord will return in your lifetime they would have said, we are living in perilous times. We are living in dark, dark days. And the truth is, they were. They were living in perilous times, they were living in dark days, and they had every reason to believe that they were living in the last time. So if we had gone to them or if somebody had gone to them and said, did you know that this old world is going to keep spinning for the next 2,000 plus years? You know what they would have said to us? You're crazy. There's no, world this wor- There's no way this world can continue going the way that it's going and God not return. There's no way that our world can continue going as it is and God not pour out His wrath on the land. I mean, can you imagine these statements? Can you imagine these responses? If we were able to go to them and say to them, listen, in 2,000 years, this world is still going to be operating just fine, they would have said, it's not possible. But here we are. But as I said, there were those 2,000 years ago who lived with the mentality that Christ would soon appear. Now of those who believed that and those who held to that position, of those who were of that mindset, the Apostle Paul was obviously one of them. So I want us to begin noticing this morning what is said in the last part of verse number 11. Of Romans chapter 13 in Romans chapter 13 verse number 11 the last part of it here is what Paul said to those believers he said for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed whenever he speaks of salvation what is he talking about well he's talking about deliverance he is talking about that ultimate deliverance. He's not talking about their spiritual salvation by way of when they went from death unto life, from a lost condition to a saved condition. But he is talking about that moment when they would, when they would have their ultimate eternal deliverance or salvation made available to them. Paul said, "...for now it is nearer than when we believed." Paul was writing to these believers saying, You got to remember this and you got to know this. We are one day closer to the return of Christ. We're closer today than we've ever been before. That's what Paul would have said. Now, this morning, I want to pause for just a moment and I want to try to play the part of a teacher just a moment. Now, Obviously, I'm not about to assign you a research paper. I'm not going to do that. But I, I want to try to do what a teacher would do in the scenario that I gave just a few moments ago. And I want to remind us of something. That our salvation is nearer than when we believed. It's just Stick with me for a a couple of minutes on this, all right? Our salvation, our ultimate deliverance is nearer than when we believed. See, here's what a lot of people think and a lot of people say and, and they spout off. We're living in the last days, brother. Right? Have we ever heard that? Of course we have. Have we ever said that? Of course we have. Why do we say that? Because we're living in perilous, dark times, right? Okay, we would look at all the things going on around us as the believers in Rome would have done some 2,000 years ago, and we say, friends, we are living in the last days. There is no way that this can continue. There is no way that that our world can keep going the direction that it's going with the things spinning out of control the way that they are. And you know what the truth of the matter is? The truth of the matter is this, this whole world may exist another 2,000 years. You say, not possible at all. Right, that's what they said 2,000 years ago. We have no idea. Something we do know is this. We've got at least 1,007 more years before this world is destroyed. Tribulation slash millennial reign. Right. Then the new heaven, new earth. I'm just saying, ain't nothing going anywhere for at least 1,007 more years. You know, we're living in the last days. Well, okay, maybe, but we don't know. I mean, no man knows the day or the hour. So for us to act like we know, well, in 2,000 years, there could be some preacher standing up somewhere saying, you know, 2,000 years ago, those people thought, and they were wrong. Now, regardless of whether we're right or wrong, regardless of, of whether or not our chronology is all as we, you know, as it should be, here's the bottom line. We're closer than when we first believed. If you got saved five years ago, keep this in mind. You're five years closer to standing in the presence of the Lord today than you were five years ago. If you got saved 50 years ago, you are 50 years closer to standing in the presence of the Lord than you were 50 years ago. I mean, it's just simple, basic truth that we are closer to standing in the presence of the Lord, having experienced that ultimate salvation than we have ever been before. Every day we live, we are one step closer to being in the presence of our Savior. Now, I say that, and I believe that. Many of you hear that, and you believe it. But what seems to plague us a lot of times, what seems to plague many of us a lot of the time, is that same mentality of a student who knows. The deadline is coming up. We know it, but we don't live in light of it. Amen. Like, I know I'm one day closer to standing in the presence of the Lord, and you are one day closer to standing in the presence of the Lord. We know this, but we don't always live like we're aware of it. We've got lots of time. After all, I'm only a young person. We've got lots of time. After all, I'm only a middle-aged adult. We've got lots of time. After all, I feel good at this stage in my life. I think I've got another 10, 15, 20 years ahead of me. That's how we go through life, thinking about how much more we have, and so few of us really stop to think, Today could be the day. We sang the song Wednesday night, Jesus is coming again. And Brother Mike tried to remind us of the reality of that. And we said amen and we had some fun with it. And yet here's what I suspect is that many of us got up on Thursday morning and didn't even think about the reality that this could be the day. We had to wake up Thursday morning and take care of what was before us on Thursday and we had to worry about Friday and some of us are sitting here right now and what are we thinking about? Where is our mind at? Our mind is on this week and what's coming up and what we've got to do and what we've got to take care of. And of all the things we've thought about, we've thought little about the fact that I could be in the presence of the Lord before the end of this week. We know that there's a deadline, we know that there's a day coming, but we don't always live in light of that reality, because we've got forever before we need to worry about that. Well, is this some new problem? Is this some new issue facing Christians? Well, verse number 11 makes it clear that the answer to that question is no. See, in writing to believers, Paul said this, And that, knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of our sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. You know what the church was dealing with and wrestling with and failing in 2,000 years ago? Christians who spiritually had gone to sleep they were not awake they were not alert they were in a spiritual stupor so to speak they were sound asleep they were lethargic in their spiritual life that's what it means whenever it speaks of of their need to awake out of their sleep is that they were lethargic that they were asleep that they were basically just kind of incoherent from the spiritual perspective just kind of going through life not really thinking about our ultimate salvation could be today. Friends, if Paul told believers living in Rome, one of the most corrupt societies and governments that's existed, if Paul said to them 2,000 years ago, wake up, What do you think the message from Paul would be to the American church today? I think he would scream at us: Wake up! Spiritually, you've gone to sleep spiritually it's like you're going through life with just the fogs it's just spiritually it's like it's like you're incoherent spiritually it's like you have no perception and I think that he would say to you and I we need to wake up I'm not saying you need to wake up I'm saying we need to wake up Because most of us are not as aware and as awake and alert as we ought to be. Now, now, in that statement, here is what some people would say. They would say, oh, I'm totally awake. I'm totally aware. I'm totally alert. I'm totally mindful of the fact that I could be standing before the Lord before this day ends. And that may be true of some who think that. But it's even true, or or even of those who believe that to be true of them, a lot of times it's not. It's not true. How do we know? We'll touch on this in just a moment. But for many believers, all we have to do is look at how we're living. And that tells us how spiritually awake and alert we really are. See, if you'll notice in verse number 12, Paul said this, The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness. He is writing to believers in Rome, and he says, Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. He says in verse 13, Let us walk honestly, as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we don't have time to go through all this. We don't have time to deal with all this. But I want us to understand what Paul said they needed to take off and what Paul said they needed to get rid of, what Paul said needed to be removed from their lives. This is some serious sin that he's talking about. He's talking about the rioting and the drunkenness, this frivolous lifestyle, this this lifestyle of debauchery, this not in the chambering and this wantonness or the greed and the strife and the envy. He said this needs to be done away with, believers. Get this out of your life. You are so sound asleep spiritually that these sins have crept into your life and you don't even notice them anymore. You know what's true of every one of us? If we're not living in light of the fact that the due date is coming up, we'll allow sin to become a part of our lives and we'll get so familiar and so accustomed to it, we'll not even see a need to address it. Think about it. If we stopped and thought right now, by the end of this day, I could be in the presence of the Lord. Is this the condition we'd want to meet him in? Is this honestly the condition we would want to meet the Lord in right now? The moral condition, the, the, the attitude condition, the, 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 just the overall approach to life. Is this really how we would want to stand before God? Here is what most honest believers would have to say. I'm not ready to do that yet. I don't have all my ducks in a row, I don't have everything in order like I know they need to be. But see, here's the problem. Our our, our spiritual sleep is so strong upon us that that just to go through our daily normal lives, we don't even think about the sins that are just a normal part of us. I, I want to remind us, kind of like the teacher would to a classroom of students. There's a due date. But unlike us knowing when that exact moment is for the class, we don't know that spiritually. We don't know when we're going to stand before God. And so I need to say to you, and I need to hear it myself, we've got to wake up, folks. We've got to ask ourselves this question, is there sin in my life that I don't want to be present when I stand before the Lord? Is there something that I am doing as an individual? Is there something that we're doing as a family, as a couple? Is there some way that we're living that I know it's not right? I just haven't cared about it lately. Because I can take care of that later. That's a dangerous position for us to find ourselves in. And yet that's where so many of us live because we are as fallen as the audience to whom Paul was writing. So notice in verse 14, not only is the charge given to wake up from that spiritual sleep, in verse number 14 he said, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Not only does he say, wake up, believers, he said when it comes... To your lust, make not provision for the flesh. What does it mean whenever he speaks of lust? He's not talking specifically about sexual lust, he's talking about desires. Right. All right, he's talking about desires, and, and I really want us to listen to this, okay? It's not wrong for you and I to want certain things. I mean, we're alive and, and so long as we're alive, we've got to live and, and there are things that we need to do while we're living and, and then some things we just want to do and it's not in and of itself wrong. If I said to you today, you know, if God allows at some point, I'd like to go to Europe, that'd be fun. I, I want to do that. You couldn't say, wicked. Ah, who wants to go to Europe? Nobody who's right with God wants to go to Europe. That, that, that's, not, that's not what I'm talking about. Unless you think I really want to go to Europe, I don't. I'm just throwing that out there as an example, okay? The point is if I expressed a want, if you expressed a want, if you expressed a desire, in and of itself, it may not be wrong. But you and I, because of our fallen nature, whether we like to admit this or not, there are things that we want that we have no business wanting. Brother Kyle, not me. Apparently, these two other men, they've got wants that are not right, but uh, not me. All of my wants are godly and pure and holy. And Come on now. None of us are that good. We've all got desires. And not all of our desires honor the Lord. And You know what we've been guilty of in the past? We've been guilty of making provision for the flesh, doing what we knew needed to be done to get what we wanted. You understand what I'm saying? Like, this is what the old flesh wants. I know it's not right, but I really want this, so that's what I'm going to do. And I'm going to make the provision for the flesh. Now, I, I could give several examples to try to illustrate what I'm talking about, but then if I didn't hit yours, you'd say, whew, I'm good. So I'm going to let that be between you and the Holy Spirit this morning. But, but here's what we got to ask ourselves. As we've done it in the past, are there any areas of life right now where we know we're not right? But we just keep making provision to make sure that that continues to be a part of our lives. Like We're going to put forth the effort required to get this, whatever that might be, even though I know it's not right. I've done it in the past. I suspect all of us have done it at some point in the past. And it is still our tendency to want to do that today. My flesh in and of itself is not crying out saying, God, only what you want for me is all I want. No, my flesh is I want this and I want this and I want that and I want that and I'll do whatever it takes to get it. And that's wrong, whatever it is. And so this morning, again, just to try to remind us, There's coming a day that we're going to stand before the Lord. That's not a maybe. That's not an I wonder if. There's coming a day we're going to stand before the Lord. And some of us need to wake up. And some of us need to start addressing some sin in our lives that has become way too comfortable for us. We need to address that sin, get rid of it, because we might have to stand before him today. And some may look at their life and say, you know, I mean, it's not like this really big sin that I'm guilty of. But no, you've just got different desires and lusts of the flesh that you're making provision for, and you know it's not what you ought to be doing right now. It's something that all of us need to be mindful of. And we'll only do it if we stay awake. If we drift off to sleep and get into a good, sound sleep, we're going to miss the spiritual things that need to be addressed in our lives. Let's all stand this morning and bow our heads for prayer. Fathers, we come to you this morning, Lord, I know that I have failed in this area more times than I care to admit because I look to so many aspects of the future that don't include standing before you. I've got next week on my mind, next month on my mind, and very seldom does it enter my mind that I could be in your presence before any of that happens. Lord, I need to stay awake just like everyone else does. And if some in here this morning would have to admit, admit they've been asleep recently, pray that we'd wake up. And Lord, if we've been making provision for the flesh, I pray that today you'd show us what it is, that you'd reveal it, and that we would address it. I pray that you'd bless your, your word today. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.